This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that. Who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this podcast is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Reality is a company that I founded that is going to be transforming the world. Um, it's a conscious-based online school, and we also offer one-on-one coaching, group coaching, multiple online classes, online retreats, in-person, eventually it's going to be coming out. Um, we also have a line of books that we do. Right now, they're only being written by me, but eventually we're going to be adding other people onto the publishing site so that we will be publishing their books and we look for specific authors to help us on our journey as we go through this. You can find out more information and follow us on at empoweryourreality.com where you can get copies of a book, uh, first few chapters for free, and so much more. So go check that out at empoweryourreality.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. What up, guys? This is Dr. Brick, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Excited to have you on as I had a great time 
chatting with this amazing individual. He has a lot of energy. It's very uh, contagious. It's very, you will connect very quickly, a very well, smart individual. And he shares some really practical tools that you can use in your life to really help shift and change your financial outcomes, how you're spending your money, what controls you when it comes to spending money, and so much more. Uh, this individual is Bob Wheeler, and I had a blast chatting with him. He's a financial expert and motivator. He's the book author and founder of The Money Nerve, like a nerve of your, your, your nerve tissue. Um, he, Bob is a man of true integrity with infectious energy. Um, Bob Wheeler's crusade for personal growth has cross-pollinated with his accounting practice to create a new approach to personal finances. His passion is to help others gain insights about how their emotions trigger financial decisions. Con combining finances with behaviors, Bob explores his personal concept of creating a healthy relationship with money in his recent book, The Money Nerve. While strengthening his accounting practice, Bob has simultaneously pursued his love of satire and ventured into the realm of stand-up comedy, which I thought was actually amazing. From his 30s of helping clients, Bob has distilled a concoction of warmth, humor, information, motivation, and budgeting directives that he offers to anyone with financial concerns. He is also currently the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of the world-famous com comedy store. Bob's world travels have led him to high altitudes. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, ascended to Mount Everest Base Camp, and has hiked several smaller mountains in between. With charm and humor, his experiences on the road in the office or running a Greek marathon feed his wit as a stand-up comic and a financial motivator. It's really, it's, it's always a great, time, great moment to, I enjoy, to connect with someone who's so down to earth and so raw and real and nothing, nothing... It's just raw and real connection, and I really had a great time with him. Um, got to, he'll share, share stories about his hiking and how it integrated to his life and so much more, and we'll get into our love for trucks and all this other good stuff. So um, I don't want to take any more thunder away from this amazing guy. Here is my wonderful time connecting and speaking with Bob Wheeler. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I think talking about money is always critical. It's always on, you know, it, it attracts people's mindset to look and be like, okay, what, what's this going to be about? But I think it's even more critical during these times of just what's going on with the world and so much more. So I'm excited to pick your brain and dive deep into all this. Yeah, it's, it's a great topic. And I think the thing that I discover is that most people uh, have a lot of financial shame around their money choices and they think they're the only ones that don't do it right. And so that's why I love having conversations around money so people can start to realize, hey, it's not just me. I'm not alone. I love that. So before we get into all that, I always love to share like your background story of how you got into you know, what you're doing today. Was it kind of like, this is where I'm going to go and this is it? Or was it more of like what I call the pinball effect where you kind of bounce around a little bit and then you're like, this is what I really want to do. Yeah, I think it was more like the pinball bounce around. I actually went to college to be a lawyer. Uh, don't judge me. And I, uh, <laughs> I was taking accounting classes just to help my grade point average. And I, as I started meeting people that were lawyers or going to be lawyers, I thought, yeah, I don't really like these people. And I decided to just go with what was going well, which was accounting. And so I became a CPA and I was working with people on their taxes and I noticed that a lot of my tax appointments turned into therapy sessions. And I realized people were making complete opposite decisions that based on really bad information. After I'd sit there and say, here's what you should do, they'd go, great, I'll do the opposite. And I got really curious 
And so I started getting into psychology, somatic therapy, and it sort of all came together as I started exploring my own self-sabotage around money and really listening to all my clients' stories. And then I started teaching workshops and wrote a book. And here we are. I love that. And so what is some of the things in your experience, in your journey that, you know, where it comes to, you know, was it like limited belief systems you had about money? Like what, what was some of the things you saw in your life to help you, you know, you know, that you had a, you had a breakthrough in order to change your financial uh, on the other end of all that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a few things. I think as children, we sometimes make some decisions based as a five-year-old on some really bad information. So at five years old, I'm going to do this on my own. Nobody can help me. Uh, money's tight. Or I'm watching my parents fight about money and I'm like, never going to have money so I don't have to have fights. Uh, so that's part of it. And then I know for me, I was sort of taught, and I think a lot of us are, that I am my accomplishments. So if I'm not performing, if I'm not hitting my marks, I'm less than. And I think one of the first things that really broke through a lot of that for me was when a friend asked me to go run a marathon in Athens on the original uh, marathon uh, trail. And I said, I can't go there because only rich people travel. And he's like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, only rich people can travel outside of the US. He's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took the trip and it was really mind blowing. I ran the marathon and it really opened me up to a much bigger world that I had been missing. I love that. And so is it more like a belief system then where, you know, cause I know for myself, I grew up where it, I mean, my parents are blue collar, uh, low middle, middle class, low medical middle, lower than middle class. I don't even know what the word is, <laughs> but, uh, whatever that is, but long story short, it was one of the things where I saw how they appreciate, they like how they looked at people who had money, but right. you know, and I was just like, they're normal people. I don't get why you guys praise them or look at them in a certain way. And then there was all the conversation about money around like, Oh, you know, money, like money attracts money. You know, money likes money. It's only goes to them. It's, you know, and it's one of those types of things. And I, I took in some of those belief systems early on, um, or you have to have money to be successful, all these different stories. And it was, it was a certain point where I had to, you know, eventually face those and challenge them to see how true were they really. Um, yeah. so does that play a big role in people's lives or, you know, you know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think what's interesting when I do workshops, I'll say, uh, who wants to be rich? I do. I do. We, we, me, 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 you know, and then I'll say, what do you think of rich people? Rich people suck. They're greedy. They're oh, so we're in a bind, right? We, we want to be these successful rich people, but we don't want to be hated and we don't want to be materialistic. And so that's part of it. I know like for me, I was noticing that a lot of people that weren't CPAs in my office uh, were doing better financially than I was. And when I traced my story back, when my parents got divorced, my mom had said to me, whether in jest, um, she said, hey, you need to be really rich and successful so your four siblings and I can have the life we deserve. And I thought, yeah, I'm not taking that on. So <laughs> I made sure I had no money so that I could honestly say, I can't help anybody because I'm broke. And once I realized that, then I had to learn, oh, I have to set boundaries. I actually have to tell people, no, <laughs> I'm allowed to have it. And I don't always have to share it. I like that. 
Yeah, I could see that playing a huge role in 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 in, in uh, uh, pushing away in a sense. So you think? Because I, I, to me, I think too. Sometimes we just we push away. Like, well, yes. Mm-hmm. I, have you ever in your workshops ever when you ask that question about who wants to be rich? Have you ever seen anybody not raise their hand? Everybody raises their hand. Yeah. So I thought. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, besides the belief, what, what are the reasons why, you know, it's like everyone wants to be healthy. And in my world, I ask the question, who wants to be healthy? I never see anybody say, I don't want to be healthy. Uh, but then I'll start asking the questions, okay, are, what are, you, are your choices and your beliefs and your rituals of what you do supporting you to be healthy? And then I get the nose and the frowns and some raise their hand. And then I'm like, okay, great. Now, why do you make those choices? And let's get into that portion of it because that's the, what we have to tr- change. Um, is that, I know money and money and health and wealth are very, uh, synopsis, uh, no, no, that's not it. Uh, um, very cinnamons to each other. The very, that you can use the same phrase. Synonymous. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Um, so I'll let you go ahead with that. Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing about money. When we start having money, uh, we, it, it ties to our, our self-worth. It ties to our sexuality. It ties to our health. It ties to success. It ties to boundaries. It ties to how do we feel about our mom and our dad and, or our kids or whatever it might be. And so I think what happens is when we start talking about money, people say they want it, but then it's, well, am I willing to look at myself? Am I willing to be uncomfortable? Am I willing to do the work? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. So a lot of times it's about I'm actually more comfortable in my pain than I am to push through it and have something different. And so we have to get uncomfortable enough to decide we want to move into a different direction. And I think a lot of people just get comfortable. And I think the other thing that happens, and I talk about this a lot in my workshops is, you know, if you go up and step up, step out and say, I'm going to be successful, people are going to push back. People might not be happy for you. People will judge you. People will try and shut you down. You have to still be willing to do that anyway, knowing that it's not going to just be an easy, uh, oh, I just step up and everything's perfect. There's work involved and you got to be willing to do the work. And a lot of people get a little nervous when it comes to getting uncomfortable. I think that that you brought up some key points here. And I think that comfort breaking out of your comfort is because it's like, well, I'm making this much, so I'm comfortable. I don't want to deal with that pain, but this is okay. So I'll just stay here. Yeah. Right. And, and so how does, you know, we talked a little bit about the belief systems. We're talking a little bit about that. How then does someone, you know, get to a point where you create like a healthy relationship with money? So that way, because, you know, if you want to be rich, right, you said never seen anybody not want to be rich, but then they have all these different variables and, you know, you have to get uncomfortable. I'm assuming that's one of the things you have to do to, to, to level up. It's not about, I always say, you know, I have learned years ago, it's, it's not about wanting to be a millionaire. It's about being the person who you want to be that attracts to be that millionaire. Um, what are some of the things where you can, how to improve the relationship with money? Well, the first two questions I always ask people are, are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to do the work? Because if you're not willing to do both of those things, you might as well just go ahead and put a pause on it till you are. Uh, because it's, it's, it's not always fun to take a look at our past and see places where we held back or we didn't go for it. Or, and there's a lot of shame. So when I do this work with people, I really encourage people to get really curious. Wow, it's really interesting. I love to be overdrafted in my bank account. 
wow, it's really curious. I love to have lots of credit card debt. Wow, it's really curious. I don't like to save so that we can just get comfortable with it and not judge it. So then we can decide, all right, this is where I'm at. Do I want to be in a different place or do I like staying here and sort of being a victim? Or do I want to actually take proactive steps so that I can be part of my process of my success? I like that. How do emotions play a role when it comes to financial decision-making and things like that? Well, the interesting thing is a lot of people seem to think money is just very black and white. Two plus two is four. We're done. The thing is, every single day we're making financial decisions. Do I go out to lunch with my friends at the expense of restaurant or do I bring my lunch and have everybody think I'm a nerd? Do I wear the nice clothes? Do I take a trip just because my friends are taking a trip? Do I do things so that other people will be impressed or am I doing it because I'm being true to myself? And uh, my editor on the book said to me once at the very beginning, you know, it's great you do this thing about emotions, but I'm not emotionally impacted any of my decision making. I just said, okay, well, when you go out to lunch with your dad, who pays for lunch? She goes, well, he does. I'm his princess. I said, okay, well, who pays for your lunch when you go out with your mom? Oh, I do because my mom was a victim. My dad left her. Okay, well, who goes, who pays for lunch when you go out with your sister? Well, we pay because we're equal. Oh, oh, okay, I see. I'm making choices. So it's even something as simple as that or splitting the bill with a large group of people. Uh, we have emotional responses to whether or not we're going to buy something or we're getting pressured from the salesperson. Uh, you know, do I want to look good? Whatever it might be, we're making decisions, you know, constantly, daily. Interesting. And is that the stories we kind of tell ourselves? Does that also play a role in it that leads to the emotions that leads to that? Because like you're sharing like the, you know, this one has this story versus this story versus this story. Yeah. And that's why the actions were there. Um, is that other aspects of life also in different, different, uh, different arenas of life? Yeah, it's the thing is, we, we do have these stories, right? So like an example that I like, I like to give that's not about money is you could see two people jumping up and down in the water in the ocean. And you would look out and see them and saying, look, they're having fun. Now, one person might be jumping up and down, jumping in the waves, having the time of their lives. The other person might be somebody like me who's thinking there's a shark going to eat them at any moment, and they're just terrified. And, and it looks the same on the outside, but internally, something's different is going on for both people. And I think what happens is we get into these stories. I don't want to look cheap. I, I want to look like I'm cool. I don't want to look like I worry about money. And so then we present in a way that other people will go, yeah, they're cool. They're cool. And there's, cause I could see like culture upbringing does that. Like, for mm -hmm. example, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, sometimes once in a while I'll be listening to something on YouTube and there comes this, the, the ad and you'll see someone showing off a car and saying, this is what you can, they have like five Lamborghinis or something like that in their garage. And they're talking about how they can be, you know, helping someone be successful and this and that. And that to me is more like a culture image. And there's, I mean, you know, and things like that of saying, well, this is what success looks like. So then the person's like, yeah, that's what I want. Cause then I'm going to look successful. Does that come to some of the principles too? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you say that. I actually, for me, it was sort of the opposite. Uh, when I got my first nice car and I really resisted uh, like driving a nice car and I was, I had a contractor coming over to the house to work on some, to give me a bid and I didn't want him to see my nice car. So I hid it in the garage, but then they, he needed to go into the garage to check something out. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> 
wow, that's a really nice car. And I'm like, oh, 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 because I was afraid he was gonna add money to the bill if he thought I was financially successful and I didn't wanna pay more. And now I, I have that same feeling. So it's funny how you say that. It's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I don't want, because I waited a very long time. And then eventually my wife looked at me and she's, you know, with COVID coming on this actually it was COVID. And, I, and, and she's like, you know, you've been wanting, you know, I wanted a pickup truck. I'm a truck guy. Oh, I love and, pickup trucks. Yeah. Yay. And I was one of the things where I just been waiting for like five years and I've been looking, looking, and I just said, no, nah, I don't want to pay that much. I want to, I like getting again, belief system, right? I love getting an amazing deal. Deal Absolutely. and still getting what I want as much as I can. And, you know, make sure it's, it works for both parties. So I always want to make sure I'm not taking advantage of the other party. And Absolutely. so I was like, you know, I'm waiting. And all of a sudden COVID came and I looked at my wife and I'm like, let me just start looking. Let me just see. And then all of a sudden I scored a deal that I can't, I still to this day, I can't believe. But it was just the right time. Everything was right timing. And I look at her now and I'm just like, yeah, I drive this truck now. It's all fully loaded. It's gorgeous. I just put some new aggressive ty- mud tires on there. So it even has a nicer look. And, 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 but it's still in the back of my mind in the beginning, I was kind of like, eh, I don't want to be that person. And I'm like, hold up. This is that, that, why do I have that in me? You know, and it's one of those things. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The stories we tell ourselves, it's when you tell, when you were telling that it reminded me, I forgot about the story, but my grandfather, before he passed, said to me, I want to give you the, my diamond ring because I want to make sure you get it. And so he gave me this beautiful, valuable diamond ring. And I took it into the jewelry store and I said, can you two things, can you appraise it? Can you size it to me, uh, fit it to me? And then um, that's all I need. She's like, oh, that's great. Um, you know, are you going to wear it every day? And I said, no, I'm putting it in a safe. I'm never going to wear that thing. And she goes, well, what do you mean? I said, it's a diamond ring. I'm not old enough to be wearing a diamond ring. She said, well, how old do you have to be? Like, how do you know when you're allowed to wear a diamond ring? And I thought, I don't know. But mm. somewhere I have a story that it's not right for me. It'll look flashy. It'll overrepresent me. It'll misrepresent me. And so I ended up wearing the ring and learning to be comfortable with people saying, wow, that's a nice ring. Yeah. I, and I think for me as growing up, it was one of the things where, and I have a story back there when I used to see people, you know, the story was is people who wore a nice thing, drove the nice car, had the big house, they would, they would call them in a sense, like if they drove the flashy clothes and all that, that was someone who was showing off in the Italian yep. language, we call that a spacon. And, and, and it's one of the things where, you know, I always was like, I'm not going to be that person because it was so frowned upon. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, you know what, I, I've shifted my gear. I looked at, okay, what do I care about? What do I really value? That's all that matters for me. And it, it, it took a lot of work to break through and just be like, well, these are the things I like. This is what I enjoy. And then here's the things I can care less, like clothing. My wife's like, well, why don't you get some nicer clothes? I don't want nicer clothes. Just give me a $10 shirt. And as long as it's comfortable, I'm happy with it. I don't care about those things. Right. And, and she's like, well, you should, you, you should upgrade your wardrobe. I'm like, don't need to. I don't really, that's not a value to me. Let me go look at the next, the next let me look at the next thing. That can, I'm big into health. So it's like, all right, what is the next thing that's like the, the thing that can help us with our health and help us level up? I don't care what the price tag is. If it's valuable, I'll do that. Leave my clothes alone. That's the last thing that I can care about. And I think that's more value systems. And I think, uh, and I want to ask you a question too, like where for an individual, where does it become cultural conditioning or upbringing versus putting your money where you value? Well, that's a great question. I think it's important to actually first get clear of what's my story, right? Uh, 
What are the words that I use? I'm broke, I'm broke. I, I need to have the newest cell phone. Like, and to start to look at, see where are you buying into things that aren't really yours? And then it's really important to sit down and say, what are my values? What, what's important to me? And then start to look at, are my spending habits in alignment with what I say are my life goals and my life priorities and my integrity about what I want my life to be and I want my legacy to be. I like that. Another thing too is I've always been taught and trained that um, you always put your money though what, into what you value or what you hold yeah. to your mind that's valuable. Um, how can that be a teaching lesson for individuals who let's say they want to be rich or they're like, I'm always in debt or I'm always here. How can they shift the paradigm by just using that tool to see where they spend that gives them a better, great picture of where they're actually putting their energy towards? Well, I, the first question that I ask myself when I'm saying I want to be rich, but I'm in debt. I ask myself, what is the payoff by staying in debt? What do I get? What are my benefits? I get to blame everybody. I get to be a victim. I get to have a sad story. And then what, you know, what's the payoff if I let go of the story? Oh, I actually get to have money. I get to be comfortable. Um, and, and so it's really a question of um, we get some negative pleasure in some of these places where we say we're a victim. We actually, there are pieces of it that we enjoy. And once we can start to get really clear on, oh, this is my victim story, or this is the place where I don't want to take action, then I can start to look at what are the baby steps I could do to start moving me towards having money. It might be, maybe I'll start saving $10 a week towards a savings account. I'll still have all my debt, but I'm going to create a new habit. Or I'm going to find a, a partner that we can hold each other accountable for, and we'll have money summit meetings, and we'll hold each other accountable. If I want to change, I have to find ways to anchor me into new habits to create a new mindset. I like that. Would other things be like when it comes to savings? Because like there are some people that value savings more than debt and they'll put themselves yeah. more in debt just to build up their savings account. Right. Right. Um, and, and I find that interesting in, in many ways because then it's really like, okay, what do you really value? Like some people like they pay themselves first before they pay their bills um, right. and, and things like that. Are those like things also? Yeah, I think those are great. And I think it's important. Like I'm not always a big believer in you must eliminate all the debt immediately if you've got a lot of debt. I'm a big believer in let's create new habits, but what are the things that I'm valuing and then what am I actually valuing? Because what, like, just like saying I want to be rich is what I say my value is. But the truth is, if I'm not doing anything to move in that direction, my real value is I want to stay small. Uh, I want to be able to blame other people. And I think the more we can get clear about the words we use, the intentionality of our choices, getting really conscious about, yes, I actually, this will serve my goal of being rich. Uh, instead of, oh, I'm going to live in the moment. I, I got to have the, you know, I want the $500 shirt instead of the $20 shirt, or I need the fanciest car. Uh, it's just a car it needs to get me somewhere, you know? And so we have to get really clear about what is our internal value versus the one that we're outwardly projecting. I love that. Did something in your life kind of help you like with the belief systems about money and things like that, like shift you so that you can see it in that different perspective? 
Yeah. So one of the things that happened to me was uh, several years ago, a friend of mine said, you got to go with me to Africa. It's this, you know, it's really cool. And I went to Tanzania and the average income at the time was 99 bucks, hundred bucks a year, wow. a year. And I had just gotten my Mercedes, my first really fancy car. Uh, life was good. I was on the track to have lots of accomplishments so everybody could be really impressed with me. And I was having fun travels. I was like, click, you know, checking off all the boxes. And I was in Tanzania and these people were incredibly happy. And I'm looking at them saying, oh, wait a minute, you don't have a nice house. I mean, it doesn't look nice. I mean, it doesn't feel like I'd want to be in a house that doesn't have a shower or electricity. It's made out of mud. Uh, I'd really like to have some nice clothes. You have the same clothes. You have maybe one shoe. Uh, and you guys are so happy and grateful and caring and giving. They'd give me the last, you know, Coca-Cola that they had or whatever it was. And it, it really messed with my mind because I kept going, well, they don't have DVDs. They don't have, how can they be happy? And that started a process on my way back when I came back to the States of just realizing, wow, I haven't really come from a place of gratitude or being humble. I had come from a place of, I just got to keep building and climbing the mountains and beat everybody else. And it really shifted the way I looked at things. And it, it was a really, yeah, that was a big life shift for me. And did that help like also like change where you now that the values change where you're spending your money differently also because of that then? Yeah, absolutely. Because then I realized, you know, I went and cleaned out all my closets and gave all that stuff to charity. I started looking at what do I really need? And it then asked also, and even though it didn't happen instantaneously, I started looking about what's my footprint on the planet? Um, how am I being wasteful or taking more than I really need to? And so I started just looking at my whole life approach and where can I actually just uh, scale back a little bit and just do the things that feed me and nourish my soul, but that don't have to extravagantly wipe out other groups of people. I love that. I, I had a similar experience. In, I was in Cancun and a group of people we were with, um, they, we were going to go down to the Chichen Itza and all that. And then they were like, the guy who was driving us is like, I can take you. I was very, I, I, my background's in energy medicine at the time. I was like, is there like a Mayan healer around here? I would love to see one and get an experience and I'll pay whatever it is. And he's like, I know a place of someone. It's, it's a very small village. And we went there and I mean, literally, I walk into this room, dirt floors, chickens are running around and it's just, it, it, there's, I mean, I was blown away. I was like, wow, these people. And I look at the kids came by and they were just glowing with joy. Yeah. The, 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 the healer came in smiling, happy. The, the wife was there cooking something and they were offering things to us and they were just so friendly and, and I'm going, wow i go these they're happy and same kind yeah. of experience and then we were like at the end we were so taken away from it we went to the local store that was nearby a little small place and we bought up as much as we could of stuff and we just gave it to the whole village and yeah. we're like take this and, they, and the joy they got for one of these kiddos came to me gave me a huge hug was in tears a little bit and like for a bag of cheetos right and i was yeah. like i need to change my values this is not right i need to do something different yeah, I think there's so, I, there's so much we can learn by traveling to other countries and seeing how other people live. Uh, I think one of the things, being in the U.S. and being a first world country, that 
we have so much money that we can, we can build isolation, we can push people away. And I think for as humans, deep down, we all want to be in connection, we all want to be in community, we all want to have impact. And yet, in this country, if I've got enough money, I can keep everybody out of my neighborhood, I can build walls, and, and then I'm sitting in behind my wall, really lonely and isolated, instead of like these folks that you met and that I met, who are just loving life and learning to deal with each other in community because they have to. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And uh, in so many ways, and I think with social media and all these other things, we can create even more isolation than ever before. Um, I always yeah. joke and say we have more connection with others, but yet it, we have the opportunity for more connection with others, but yet we're more uh, disconnected in many ways uh, yeah. from the world. And I think that just, that just has to change in some way, shape or form. Well, I think the big thing about social media and all these ways that we can connect, what happens is we're seeing snapshots of people's lives. Look, I had an incredible meal. Look, here's my crazy trip. Here's my happy dog. And we're not seeing the pain or the struggles or all of the things that go on that are not in that snapshot moment. And we have to, we don't have to do anything, but the more we can realize that that's just a part of who they are and we're just catching them at a peak moment and that we are not just moments in our lives. We are in our, we are our entire life. And so we have to remember that we're also not just a snapshot, just like other people's perfect little social media is just a snapshot. And how much with social media, because we talked about emotions earlier, how much does that actually play an impact on people's financial decision-making also? Well, I think it plays a lot because I think what happens is because people just take it for what it is and go, oh my gosh, they're traveling all around the world. I need to be doing that. There's ways that we can uh, shame ourselves or make us less than uh, as we see all the success that other people have. It's interesting. A lot of young kids today, I don't remember the percentage, but it's pretty high up there. Most young kids today when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'll say, I want to be a YouTube celebrity. And they have this belief that if you just do a couple things or become a gamer, you can make millions of dollars or you can be like the Kardashians. And you don't actually have to do anything other than be famous. That is as sad as that is. I've, I've heard that many times too. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I have one person said, one kid, when I heard a kid say that to me, I was like, what do you want to be? Yeah, I want to be a YouTuber. I watch it. I follow this person. He has like, oh, these many followers. He makes this much. And I was like, okay. I'm like everyone to their own, but I was like, interesting. Uh, back in my day, it was a whole different ball game. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Which is very fascinating. But anywho, I digress on that. But so I know you, I've, I've seen, and as I was reading and listening, uh, doing my due diligence and learning more about you, um, you like to hike or climb mountains? I do. I, I love being out. Uh, I love being out in the elements. There's something challenging about that because either I make it or I don't. And for me, I learn a lot of stuff when I'm out there. And I remember when the first time I was, or the second time I was in Nepal and we were trekking to the base camp of Mount Everest, um, you know, at the very beginning, two things happened at the very beginning. Uh, my friends all after the first day said, this is really hard. Let's quit. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I just paid a lot of money. I'm not quitting. And uh, so I said, look, maybe what we could do is uh, let's do this in baby steps. Let's just negotiate to hike an hour 
And then at the end of the hour, we'll decide if we'll hike another hour. And that's what we did for the first four or five days. We just negotiated every hour whether we were going to continue. And it made it less uh, painful and uh, much easier to do because we weren't trying to get to the top. The other thing though, I remember my sister and I, my family was very musical. And so we knew the songs to almost every freaking album and stuff. And so we're at the really far into the hike and it's exhaustive. There's lack of oxygen and we just start singing and just singing and laughing and all these people walking around going, where do you have the energy? I'm like, well, I got to make it fun because <laughs> it's painful. So I might as well have a little bit of fun while I'm in my pain. And so that was just a choice to be happy. And I think a lot of people don't realize we, we can choose our attitude. I can wake up and decide to be miserable or I can decide to be happy. And when I'm out hiking, it just reminds me of all of the amazing things that are out there. Uh, you know, just looking at a waterfall, just uh, seeing a, a wild animal run across the path, or just the generosity of people on the trail that are feeling the exhaustion and the pain as much as you are to just offer a hug or a smile or just a connection. I, I, there's nothing for me that's more powerful and nourishing than being out in nature. And, and I like to push. I like, I like, I like to go for the limits and see what I can do. And climbing uh, mountains and hiking is something that challenges me. I love it. And you climbed uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes, I did. I did that one as well. And I got to tell you, it, this, I don't think I've ever told the story, uh, but my sister and I decided when we were in, uh, at, at Everest, the, the guide said to me, hey, Bob, you know, you're pretty good at this stuff. If you want, there's a shortcut. We, just, we could go this way and your friends could just walk the other way, but it's going to take them an extra hour and a half. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so we went this shortcut. Well, let me tell you, the shortcut had about a 14-inch ledge. And if you stepped off the ledge, you would fall to your death. And it took us about three hours to do the shortcut. Our friends got there before us. And the guide said to me, oh, that was so nice of you to like go slow to help build their confidence. I was like, I was terrified. <laughs> I'm never doing that again because we couldn't go back. We couldn't turn around with our backpacks. So we had to face this wall and just hug it for three hours, hoping we did not fall. And I'm like, never taking the shortcut again. <laughs> That's a good lesson right there in many good ways. Lesson. <laughs> that is, I would have lost myself. I would have been, oh, yeah, no. Terrifying. No, not at all. Yeah, see. Anyway, that's very cool to hear. So from that, though, you, that's where, you know, what did hiking and, you know, climbing mountains and all that, what did, you, what did it teach you from the perspective? I mean, obviously a shortcut, right? Don't take the shortcuts in life. Go through the, you know, the process. Yeah, go, it's, yeah it's, it goes back to do the work. Uh, stay the course, like put in the time and the energy, and it'll pay off. And for me, the hiking is not trying to just look at getting to my end destination, but looking to get from A to B, B to C, C to D. I think so many people are trying to get from A to Z. Everybody's trying to get to the top of the mountain, and they don't want to do it. Uh, you know, somebody could take a helicopter and drop me off at the top of Mount Everest. It's not going to be the same journey as the journey that I took starting at the bottom and working my way up because all of the experiences that I would have missed if it had just been a drop off. So like, go ahead. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So for me, it's, I, I want to have the experiences, even the painful ones, because they actually make me appreciate the pleasurable moments even more. 
I couldn't agree with that more. Just like me waiting five years to get a pickup truck, I look at my wife now and I'm like, I got everything I wanted. And I go, this is going to be with me for a very long time. And I'm like, I'm happy. She goes, you really like your truck? It's been six months now. And she's like, I'm like, yeah. I go, this is, it's everything I wanted. I waited five years for this because I want, again, it wasn't because I couldn't do it. It was more of just, again, my value system. I wanted to make sure I was getting a really good deal. Um, so yeah, there's some about that where when you go through the work and you do that, there's just more appreciation for when you have it. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about waiting the five years for the, the truck, I, I really resonate with that. Uh, a couple of things happened. I was in a store one time, I was in a, you know, like a Best Buy and this couple was standing near me and I'd been looking at a TV and I'd been looking for a year and a half cause I didn't want to get the wrong TV cause I wanted the best value. And this couple said, hey, look, if we, buy, if we buy this really big screen TV, we can save $2,000. We can just put it on the credit card. And they just went out and thought they were saving money by charging it. And, and I almost had a heart attack that they would just make such an impulsive purchase because I just bought a pop-up camper that's taken me four years <laughs> because I wanted to get the best deal. <laughs> so <laughs> I really appreciate what you're saying there. <laughs> Well, I learned a valuable lesson out of it too about, you know, timing, right? And I've heard, yeah. you know, when it comes to like wealthy mindsets that are like, yeah. you know, studying them, that they, when you looks at things, it's not about when you want it, it's all about the timing of something. Right. And everything has a time and a market and, and people who are more money consciousness, they're more about, well, this is a great idea that you want to get into. Then you study the market and you're like, you know what? It's not really primed for me to make a lot of money in that. So there's no point in me going there, but what are other things that have? And I really started learning that and studying it. And I was like, wow, that, that, that makes sense now. It's all about, you know, timing. There it is. Here's an example. I mean, I've saved thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars of what I would have been giving to interest um, and, and so forth, just from waiting and being patient and just waiting for the moment. And when it came, I acted and I was like, you know, again, looking back, I'm like, wow. And it's just taught me. So I, I believe there's, there's always that moment of timing. Would you agree? Absolutely. And what, what you're also talking about is learning to experience delayed gratification. So social media, culturally, we're taught, you should have it now. You shouldn't have to wait. You deserve it. Grab it, grab it, grab it. Don't worry about the cost. But when you can learn delayed gratification and learn I don't need it right this moment. I'll wait for the right time. It, 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 the impact is, is, is you get a lot more bang for the buck. And there was a, there was a Stanford marshmallow study where they uh, worked with kids. I don't know if you've heard of this, but uh, they took a bunch of kids and they said, we'll give you a marshmallow and you can eat it right now. But if you'll wait five minutes, we'll give you another marshmallow. And so all of these kids, some of the kids ate the marshmallow. Some of the kids said, I'll wait. What they did was they followed these kids through their adult lives and they discovered that people that can learn to experience delayed gratification were much more successful financially and in a lot of aspects of their lives versus the people that said, I got to have it now. I don't care. I, I don't care. I could get extra if I wait. I, I want it now. And so I think that timing really ties into learning to experience that I don't have to have it right this minute that it will all come in good time. It's so true. I love that study and I love, it's just a great example on that. And that was something I was, uh, cause we had to get, obviously I had to get another car this year cause our lease was ending. 
Yeah. And we were looking a couple months before and trying to negotiate due to COVID. Nothing was lining up. And I kept yeah. telling my wife, um, we, she was trying, there was one deal we were going to try and push. And then thankfully it broke down. And I said, let's be more patient with this. The deal will come. Just let's wait and see. So then we started studying the markets and looking at different cars. When did they come out with a new one? When will a new one, new version going to come out after the lease is over when she goes and lease a new one? And I kept looking and I said, okay, we negotiated before this didn't work. We were going to look at a car that we really like, but nobody, they're only the, the dealers are like MSRP. That's it. I'm like, I never pay MSRP not happening. And right. so then we, we were patient and then we went back and we studied the market. We looked and he said, out of all the cars you're looking at, this one makes the perfect sense for where you are, what we need, what we have to get all and fed all needs. And I said, let, we can make the move here. We started negotiating and we got the exact deal we wanted um, in COVID, right? You know, and, and we just knew at the certain time of the month, we waited, what, we waited what, two and a half months to get this thing, but it was negotiating and looking at different cars. So we were like, no, this is going to be the best timing. They're offering a good deal. We negotiated really well. They gave us the deal we wanted. And I was like, once again, I got a really good deal. Um, it wasn't great, but it was way better. And especially during COVID time. And for the price of what we're looking for. So, and again, delayed gratification, it works wonders because now I'm sitting back going, yeah, we're saving a couple hundred bucks a month now. And yeah. from what we were going to spend anyhow for leasing a car, uh, now I'm saving two something a month. And now I'm like, great, I'm going to put that in savings. See, and that's awesome. And, and if you know, if you know you're not a good negotiator and you can't wait or you can't say no to a salesman, bring a friend that is. Bring somebody in that can help advocate for you so that you can have the assistance in experiencing delayed gratification uh, because not everybody is able to wait or feel like they can say no to a salesman. Um, and so I think that's an important component as well is if you know you're not good at something like that, find somebody that is and get them to be your advocate. I love that. And I love with the, with the mountain that I want to tie back to all this and come back full circle where you learned about the, the, the baby steps with everything, right? Yeah. The little things, not taking the shortcuts. Um, when it comes to money and advice like that, I know with the mind, we, the mind cannot comprehend big things that are outside uh, what our comprehension is. So like, I want to be a millionaire. That's great. Now let's take that. Let, you know, that's great, but that's a huge thing. If you're only making 50,000 a year, million dollars a year. That's a huge gap that you have to figure out. So is it more of a strategy where you look at baby steps and coaching and helping people in that process? Or what, what advice would you give to someone like that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I want to be a millionaire. I'm not going to get there tomorrow. And that's what sometimes in a workshop people say, all right, my goal is I'm going to be a millionaire in six months. Okay. That's probably not realistic for most people. So let's, let's set up a timetable. One of the best things that I did for myself was when I decided that, oh, maybe I should get rid of credit card debt and all my self-sabotage, I set up six different internet banking accounts, Capital One, Ally, Immigrant, and 10 bucks a week would come out of each one, 10 bucks here, 15 bucks there. And it wasn't noticeable, right? It was just, oh, that was, that's the price of a meal. All these little accounts were getting filled up. And then after about four or five months, I'm like, oh, oh, that one's got 500 bucks in it. That one's got, oh, this is sort of cool. I like seeing all these bank accounts. I'm going to make it 50 bucks. Oh, let me make it 100 bucks. And as I could see my bank accounts growing, I wanted more going into the bank accounts because that felt uh, more exciting than seeing a rising credit card statement. And so, again, baby steps of, okay, let me just take out five bucks. Let me take out 20 bucks. Let me... Just do this slowly. It's not going to happen overnight, but I can tell you the more that you start to reinforce that idea of saving, 
the more you actually start to speed up the process when you start to see that you're getting a result. When you're starting to, oh yeah, like this is working. It's working. Because people have to feel like they're, that they're getting somewhere. Um, if you're just paying down debt, you're just living check to check, there's no feeling like I'm ever going to get out of this. And so for me, I've got to give myself little wins and then have little celebrations for those moments when I've excelled or exceeded um, or met my goals. And I know the mind always has to see progress in some way. So ego yeah. or the left brain could be like, okay, this is good. We're doing this. When, what do you do when you do have that celebration? When you hit a mark or something like that, do you just continue doing the same stuff or you do, you, you splurge a little, well, how do you, what do you do that? Yeah. So what I like for me, my favorite thing to do is sushi. I love sushi. I will spend lots of money <laughs> on sushi. Uh, and so what I'll do is I'll, I'll, you know, treat myself to a nice sushi dinner. I'll go out and say, all right, you know what? This, this reward is 200 bucks. That's my cap or 250. I, I actually like to cap my, uh, my, my, my pleasures so that if I'm going to take a trip or I'm going to do something, I actually go and look and see what I have and how much I want to spend so that it's not adding to a credit card debt. I don't have any credit card debt, thankfully. And I, and I spend within my means. I don't, say, well, you know, let me, I could throw this on a card. So when I celebrate, I, I already have the money. I go out and celebrate. I don't feel guilty. I actually have a, a bank account that is just my pleasure account. And I put 500 to $1,000 a month in it. And it used to be 50 bucks. And if there's money in that, I could spend in my heart's content without guilt. If there's no money in it, I have to wait till next month. But that pays for if I want a massage, if I want to buy something fancy for my camper, like that's my spending money that I don't have to justify to anybody, including myself. I think that's awesome. I do something very similar to that where we have it, we call it a play account and yeah. we accumulate it. You know, again, we started out very small too. It was like back in when I was first starting my business, I was like, okay, I got to put like a dollar or five bucks here. And eventually when it builds yep. up to a certain point, I'm going to go spend on whatever it is. Like, I love it. Sushi, 250 This is a cap. I think putting caps is critical. I, I, we did the same thing. It was like, even if we had like a thousand in the account, we're like, well, we have to drain the account, but we're like, we'll, we'll say maybe, you know, we'll, maybe we'll do this and then, you know, we'll put a cap here so that we can enjoy more later or go on a vacation. Um, and I think it's great though to do that because then uh, I think this is T Harv Ecker. I learned this from where he'll talk about like how the mind you always have to, when it sees it and feels it like luxury or things you enjoy or things you value, it actually creates a little bit of inspiration to want more. And so then you start putting that energy out there and then eventually it just kind of reciprocates back and forth. Yeah. And it's a great habit to set those, those, uh, amounts and, and have a, have a limit, uh, and what I was, I was telling somebody this the other day, one of the things that I used to do when I was getting off my credit cards, um, I basically, I froze all my credit cards, put them in a Tupperware and froze them so that if I really wanted them, I'd have to either microwave them or, you know, wait for it to melt. But then on top of that, if I knew I only wanted to spend a hundred bucks, I took all the rest of the money out of my wallet. I only took the amount of money I was willing to give up and had no access to credit cards or other cash so that I was at the end of my money, I was forced to say, yeah, I'm done playing. <laughs> my money's gone. So true. And that's so wise to do in so many ways. Um, yeah. and, and I love that. But yeah, play accounts are fun. I highly recommend them uh, for anyone who's listening. This is the expert here. He does it. I do it. Might as well. You jump in on that. Um, 
Before we go, though, I wanted to, you know, tie in really quick, just how people you've great, you shared just amazing advice and, and, and tips and tricks and all these different things. How can people follow, catch up with you, see what you're up to and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, people can find us at themoneynerve.com. Not nerd. I'm probably a nerd, but it's the nerve, like it pinches a nerve. Moneynerve.com. Uh, we've got an online course called Mastering the Emotions of Money. Uh, you can reach out to me via email, bob at themoneynerve.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and we have process groups, and we do all kinds of things around money conversations. So, if you want some resources, if you want some assistance, feel free to reach out and we will reach out and work with you. Bob, you also have a book. Um, how, it, it, where is that at and how can people find that? Yeah, so the book, you can find the book at Amazon. Uh, that book is called The Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions of Money. And it's also on the website. And then if people want to listen to conversations about money, I also have a podcast called Money You Should Ask. And we have casual conversations about money beliefs and money blocks. Of, of the particular person and just so that people can hear all the other financial stories that are out there and maybe resonate with that and know that they're not alone in their financial journey. I love it. Bob, I appreciate having you on. This was a great combo. I learned a lot and just, uh, you know, and sharing stories that are very similar and uh, having some, you know, kin things here. I appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. But appreciate the work you're doing and, you know, keep rocking and rolling with everything and all the best. Well, thanks so much. And I hope you keep loving your truck. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us, so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.